Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No breaks. No breaks. No fear. No fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along. It took until November, but we finally finished the British Speedway season. And congratulations to the Pool Pirates winning the double in the championship of the Knockout Cup and the league title. We'll hear from Rory Schlein a little later, who's rounded off his British career in fine style. In this episode, as well as rounding up uh, what's been happening across British Speedway as we're heading to the closed season, uh, with uh, myself, Ian Brannan, Ryan Guest, Joe Appleton, Dave Rowe, and our very special guest in this episode, the FIM Speedway GP and Speedway of Nations race director Phil Morris joins us, and he's going to give a bit of uh, insights from um, his knowledge of what the Speedway Grand Prix era in 2022 is going to look like, and maybe how your Cardiff weekend might be shaping up. So that's coming up a little later on. We've also got chats with a couple of the new signings who are joining Red Car Bears. Well, I say new signings. They're old faces, I suppose, for the Bears, but they're confirmed to be back and as club assets this time, Charles Wright and Jordan Jenkins. And we hear from Peter Adams as well, who's quite philosophical on Wolves 2021. All on the way on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome to No Breaks, No Fear as we round up uh, where we're at in British Speedway following the 2021 season and uh, lots to bring you. In fact, too much. We could have gone on for two and a half hours, <laughs> if I'm honest, but uh, we've uh, we've kept it to, uh, to as much as the good stuff as possible. Um, and I'm going to start by talking to Phil Morris just to get his view on, on how Speedway's been because... At the start of this season, back in April, we were talking in our very first episode of, you know, 
hopefully and hopefully we're going to have a season and 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 we're hoping that we're going to get through it and you know we we didn't really know how speedway was definitely going to look with all the amount of restrictions and no matter where you are in world speedway whether it's british speedway or whether it's on the international scene all of the speedway events in some form or another have had to cope with the various restrictions and and the health implications of, of running a speedway meeting and how has it been from where you're sat, Phil, looking both at British Speedway and, and your experiences around the world with Speedway? Yeah, we had a tough season, as everyone has, with COVID, but we managed to get a good, solid season with all the events, obviously missing places like Cardiff and Warsaw, which was a big shame. And yeah, it finished with a, a good event in Manchester, and uh, we managed to escape the rain just about for the two events. And of course, for Great Britain, it was a fantastic event. And the Speedway Grand Prix Series returns to Britain next year, which we're hugely excited about. Cardiff is back, and we're going to talk more about that later on in the show. Um, But another piece of Speedway Grand Prix comes to Scotland and to Ashfield at Glasgow. They've uh, revealed this week that the Speedway GP Challenge is going to be held there. A huge event, of course, the greatest prize on offer for uh, the riders that finish in the top three permanent um, places in the 2023 Speedway GP Series, as it will be. And this must be a big boost for certain British riders. I'm thinking particularly of the likes of Tom Brennan, of, of Dan Bewley, who have their eyes, no doubt, on racing in the GP series. And, um, and, and to know that it's the big deciding event is going to be held on a track that they've got a lot of experience on surely is a huge boost. Yeah, it's a massive boost for British Speedway and Glasgow Speedway. And I think the Fasenas have done fantastic up at, at what I've seen and what I've heard. And, you know, everyone's got positive things to say. And yes, it's a track that maybe might not be as um, good for some of the Polish riders, but then you never know. I think Tobias Musliak went there and cleaned the board in in the, the qualifier this year. So, um, but also with the, I think it was the Great Britain against Poland test match. On other tracks, would the result have been different? Possibly, yes. So, I think from a British rider's perspective, they will be happiest at Glasgow, and they'll if they can make that final, whether it's Craig Cook, whether it's, you know, Robert Lambert, I'm thinking of riders has been there more, Dan Bewley, or the Warrells, you know, Adam Ellis, all of these guys, if they got to that event, I'm sure they'd feel uh, quite confident that they, they could give it a good go. So I'm sure it's good for the British riders, good for British Speedway, but ultimately the club has been awarded with it from the FIM because... You know, they're not going to get a Grand Prix there. That's pretty much the reality. So, you know, you want to look after the clubs that have done a lot of hard work and help the FIM with qualifying rounds. So it's Glasgow's, Glasgow's turn next year, and I hope it goes really well. And hopefully we'll have um, a good few Brits to cheer on in that event. Whoever they will be will uh, remain to be seen because there's qualifying meetings to go. There's four places that you can end up going. And uh, for next year, there'll be Abensburg in Germany, uh, Rivni in the Ukraine, Nagahalas in Hungary and Zarnovica in Slovakia are going to be hosting the qualifying meetings and then the uh, GP Challenge in Glasgow on August the 20th. But it's going to attract, you know, the best of the best here fighting out for the ultimate prize of uh, a place in the Grand Prix Series. And that that event is absolutely cutthroat. You know, you've got three guys, whoever makes the podium is qualifying. And I know this year and last year, the last few years, 
it's been very you know very tough event with high level riders and you know he, he, you look at this year i think robert lambert really struggled he was towards the bottom of the field so that shows how how tough that event was i think dan Bewley had a few bad races but ended it well and uh, yeah it was uh, powell shepelsky was head and shoulders the best rider there this year and obviously max frick and dudek made it with him but you know you could have there's many riders in the Grand Prix that will do the qualifiers as well. So I would assume, I don't know, but someone like Robert Lambert would probably take his chance in the qualifiers as well as a backup plan. So you've got all, you know, a lot of the mid to lower end of the Grand Prix guys will take a double chance. So the event will probably, well, I'm sure it will be the highest level event they've had there. And I hope it uh, has a great, you know, result for everybody. It's Phil Morris, the FAM Speedway Grand Prix race director, and he's going to be telling us a bit more about the Speedway Grand Prix series later on. What's in store for 2022? How's it going to look? How's it going to feel? And uh, what's your Cardiff weekend going to be like? Well, it sounds exciting and uh, details on the way from Phil himself, who's going to give us a bit more insight into what's going to be in store. Um, The Speedway of Nations brought an army of uh, international fans to our country. And, and not only did they come to the Speedway of Nations final in Manchester, but many of them also crammed in some other meetings elsewhere in the country as well. I know that um, some went to, to Glasgow, obviously, to watch the, the GB Poland match. I know some went to places like um, Leicester or Scunthorpe or Redcar. And the, there seems to be, even though some people probably bemoan the fact that uh, Poland are the best league in the world the Poles don't necessarily see it like that do they and they there is a lot of curiosity about British Speedway from Polish shores probably more than people realize that people keep tabs on what's going on over here yeah I think you know let's let's all be honest about it Poland do have the best league in the world I don't think anyone doubts that you know it's it's the best riders the sort of best spectacle you know the look of it is fantastic but on the other hand, like you say, in Britain, we have very diverse tracks. And I know a lot of the guys enjoy watching something like Wolverhampton. They don't have that in their country. It's a total different feel to the Speedway in Poland. They're, they're obviously, most of their tracks are very fast and very sort of, you know, let's say athletic, you know, 400 metres and a certain uh, dimension. With Britain, we have a lot of diversity where you look at places like Edinburgh, Newcastle, total different that they would ever consider having. And I think it's good to have that diversity, you know. And uh, yeah, of course, Sweden is another one which is sort of in the middle, I would say. They've got a bit of all sorts of tracks. But I think the main thing is the product of Speedway is the same all over. If you have a good track, whether it's big, small, you know, long, short, you can get good racing on anything. It's about making the right, um, you know, for me, it's width of tracks and banking it is the most important thing, whether it's 200 metres or 500 metres. That's the two things I think is really vital. But yeah, it's been really good. To, I've watched a lot of Speedway. And again, we talk about the playoffs. I heard Poole had a fantastic event and, you know, in the lower league, um, obviously Poole, Glasgow there. Then I watched the Manchester Bellevue event. That was fantastic. Unfortunately, I haven't seen the Peterborough one, but I got told that was a great, great one. And the same in Poland, Roslav and Lublin was another good one. And Dekana in, in Sweden, you know, they, they all, it, it shows that modern sport needs that uh, something crescendo at the end. And uh, yeah, a lot of people complain about it saying, hey, you know, we won the league 
clearly, and then they lose in the playoffs. But I think it's the way the world of sport is this day and age. And uh, yeah, it's been a good season all round, I think. Well, while Peterborough won the Premiership title, Wolves were in command of that league for much of it, really, and um, got off to a, a couple of bumps at the start. But after that, they were unstoppable, and they were only stopped when it really mattered, when they got to the playoffs. Um, let's hear from Peter Adams now. Um, Ryan, you've been speaking with Peter Adams at the uh, the Rorish Line farewell event which uh, which happened on Monday night at the Cleveland Harms which was um, hosted by by Nigel Pearson and he was talking all about his life and times in Speedway and uh, Peter Adams quite philosophical about how the season went. Yeah definitely um, Wolverhampton are they are similar to Paul in a way they, they have got this winning mentality around the club um, everything they do is is naturally based around success but they're, they're very loyal as well you, Every year you, you see uh, riders returning and they, they get the rewards as well. There's always a, um, a good camaraderie and that, that's exactly what it was at Wolves this year, whether it was uh, at home or away. Um, I think the team spirit at Wolves got them through some of the, uh, the, the tougher fixtures. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, if it wasn't for the playoffs and the season were, was ended back in August, then it, it looked like Wolves were, were running away with it. In the end, it turned out their, their last home league fixture of the regular season when they were... Uh, defeated by Peterborough um, proved to be a, a crucial one in the end and yeah it was a, a big shame for everyone at Monmouth Green because they were one of the tracks that obviously put their schedule on hold with the, the Covid restrictions um, the, the fans responded superbly though at Monmouth Green and like you say the the, the entertainment on track was great, um, just narrowly coming up short in the end, though, unfortunately. Well, here is Peter Adams speaking earlier this week. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, the 2021 season was always going to be a, a very different one. Uh, looking at it from the, the club's perspective, um, the first few months in particular were particularly difficult with all the, the COVID restrictions that, that you had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, in common with everybody else, you know, we were struggling in those early days. With the restricted numbers at Monmouth, obviously made it very difficult from a financial perspective. And luckily, you know, those those restrictions were lifted in the nick of time because I don't think we could have gone beyond another meeting or two, you know, before we would have had to um, call a halt. But um, once the restrictions were lifted, you know, the Wolverhampton fans responded magnificently. They came in their droves, you know, and it was a demonstration, I suppose, of how much they'd missed it. And, um, yeah, we were very comfortable from a financial perspective from there on, but those early days were very difficult. From the team perspective, though, I think when you look at the, the final green sheet averages, something you don't see too often where, where every rider improved their starting figure, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, so, I mean, from that perspective, I, I don't know what, you know, how much more we could have done, really, but, I mean... Um, you know, you, you read that uh, teams will win something if they've got riders within the ranks who are improving their averages. But if, if anything, what happened this year dispelled that. I mean, yeah, it helps you to get into the playoff positions, obviously. But the playoffs themselves are all about who does what on four nights in September and October. You know, it either happens or it doesn't. And uh, for us this year, it didn't. But... Um, 
that's all water under the bridge now, you know, we're looking forward to next year, obviously. Yeah, when you, you look at it, obviously enjoyed uh, away successes uh, everywhere, except uh, Peterborough, obviously, who topped the league in the end, went on to uh, win the playoffs as well. So um, their experience prob- probably counted in the, in the end. I'm not too sure that it was experience that was the separating factor, you know, that they, they um, had this uh, fortunate position of having this very strong reserve throughout the campaign. Um, I don't know what would have happened, you know, if Ostergaard had got injured because he found himself in the number one position and then got hurt. Retained that position all year, which they were able to use. And, of course, he pushed somebody very good into that reserve position. I mean, had Ostergaard continued riding, he might well have found himself back in that reserve position, which wouldn't have been as strong as it eventually turned out for him, and the result might have been completely different. But having said all of that, you know, nobody can deny their quality throughout the year. They were magnificent, you know, but so were we. Because it must have been because we ended up with an identical record to them. Only four defeats in 20 matches. And uh, we were the only team to beat Peterborough on the travels, which we did at Monmouth in July, was it? I can't remember now. So, yeah, very similar teams, very similar performance. In fact, identical, to be honest. But um, on the days that mattered, you know, at the end of the campaign, they came to the surface and we didn't. That's Speedway. Now, there was talk uh, before the end of the season that um, Wolves would not run in the top league of British Speedway if there was only six teams. It's uh, something that's been latched onto by uh, a number of supporters and a bit of concern about that. Um, What can you tell us about that situation? Will Wolves not be riding in the top league. Is that even conceivable, Ryan? Well, Peter Adams actually confirmed at the Rorish Line night on Monday, live in uh, on stage in front of the supporters, that they will be competing in the Premiership um, in 2022, even if it is still a, um, a six-team league. He's, he's confident there's uh, enough going on behind the scenes in terms of the, uh, the, the fixture list and the, the schedule. Um, he did also hint at the introduction of um, uh, some some fresh fixtures for, for British Speedway supporters in the top flight as well. So um, despite speaking just a couple of weeks ago saying he was he was hugely concerned if it was only a six-team league, um, he certainly seemed a, a lot more convinced this week speaking to him, put it that way. So um, good news for Wolves fans, whatever happens there in the uh, Premiership this next season coming up and keep your eyes peeled for news of signings imminently, no doubt. Um, right now, let's talk about the team that went on to be champions then, the Peterborough Panthers. And Peterborough Panthers are going to be crowned 2021 Premiership Speedway champions and it is Scott Nichols who takes the win celebrations begin for the Peterborough Panthers who are British Speedway Premiership champions Proving that experience and youth is the key, some of the oldest riders in the league and one of the youngest as well of course in Jordan Palin whom together they got it over the line and are Premiership champions of British Speedway for 2021 Well after that winning moment Dave Rowe had a chat with Rob Lyon the team boss at Peterborough Panthers about being called Dad's Army and actually how it rallied the troops Just tell us on the season as a whole tell us about the about the Dad's Army stuff it started as a bit of a joke the journalists were writing you off but it's something that you turned massively in your favour it really worked out for you in the end 
Yeah, it did. Yeah, and um, the boys were taking it on board, you know, and they they all we often in the WhatsApp group we've we often discuss stuff like that, you know, dad's army this, dad's army that, and it's just a tag we've we've sort of embraced, if you know what I mean. So um, it's been great, and and they've you know they've been a great bunch to work with, fantastic uh, bunch to work with, and a special mention for Ulrich Ostergaard because you know he is a big part of this team. And his contribution at the start of the year, before he was sadly injured, uh, is as important as anybody else. And um, it's a shame he's not here to celebrate with us. But hopefully he was watching and you know can celebrate at home in Denmark. I must ask you about reserve changes. Bjarni Pedersen, who is retiring and put in the most commitment once again, and you bring Jordan Pagan, your rising star, into Heat Seven, and he goes and wins it. Yeah, and Jordy was you know on gate three in that race, and I, we discussed that at length with him and um, we knew one and three was pretty good and Geordie can trap and um, he's quick enough and uh, yeah he popped out he did it at Bellevue he did it again tonight so it's good just finally it must have been a big call for you to come back into team management would have been for 2020 uh, held over to 2021 but to win a top league title that, that must make it all worthwhile absolutely makes it very sweet and um, yeah I can't thank the promotion and the track staff here at Peterborough have been absolutely first class and um, it's been a joy to, to be a part of. It's been a great team to watch this season. Deservedly champions. Well done. Thank you. Cheers. Dave Rowe speaking a few weeks ago to Rob Lyon after they, they won that championship in the Premiership and well done to the Peterborough Panthers. But um, a very close league. Clearly there was only six teams in it, I know. But... Um, any, any, it was anybody's game for, for, for much, um, the, much of the season, wasn't it, Dave? It went to a playoff series where, quite genuinely, all four of them had real hopes of, um, of being successful. Peterborough did top the table, made a very brave call in electing to take on Wolverhampton in the semi-final. There was certainly some good logic behind it. It worked out for them. Boy, they had to battle for it, especially with riders being injured in, in both of the away matches. And they were right down the barrel at Bellevue when they were... Uh, 10 points down and still pulled it back to, to finish just two points. And I think those those two races at Bellevue where they got two five ones late in that first leg, that really that really sort of did in, in their favour. I always thought they'd go and win it then at the showground uh, a couple of days later. But yeah, they were the best team, but certainly the ones that made the playoffs all gave plenty for the season. And I think the Premiership, had a, with only six clubs, had a good year. And they've done it in an entertaining fashion as well, with some you know great races, riders like you know Bjarne Pedersen, who's been on his his swan song this season, and, and you wonder what he's doing, hanging up his uh, his boots and stuff. But you know, good luck to him. Um, people like Scott Nichols, who we know what he can do, and he he's, he looks like he's been in the form of his life this last year, and maybe lockdown and and not riding for a season has has really fired him up to 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 really enjoy a speedway this last year. And Joe Appleton is with us, who uh, is a journalist and and does a lot of the the video interviews for the um, Speedway GB website. And um, Joe, one of your highlights one of your riders of the season is because you've seen a lot of speedway through the course of this the, this season is is one of the peterborough panthers isn't it um there's a few that spring to mind really but the one that sticks out is chris harris as he has done year on year but for many years now and especially that one ride we saw at, at sheffield sheffield peter where he went round jack holder and then up the inside of adam ellis on the next bend like they both dropped a chain like these are serious riders proper good potential and they're just Absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, Dan Bewley is always going to be one that entertains, and Jack Alder was was brilliant too. But you kind of come to expect it from them. 
Whereas Chris Harris, you, you people write him off and he just keeps coming back year on year and providing some unbelievable entertainment for everyone. And not just for Peterborough as well. I saw him pull off um, one of his trademark bombs, you know, going from third to first in in half a lap at uh, at Redcar when he was uh, racing in the the Teesside Silver Helmet right at the end of the season a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, vintage bomber is is still there and I think he's going to be pretty explosive riding for, for Berwick as well. That's going to be, be interesting to see and we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But as you mentioned, Sheffield there, Ryan Guest, who's with us, is... Um, the centre green announcer at Sheffield and it's been a big year for the Tigers because not only has it been their first season back in the top flight for many, many a year, but also a pretty decent season in the end. I mean, it didn't get off to the best start necessarily and there were bumps along the road, but they certainly got their act together to the point where people were coming on this podcast in the closing few weeks and the closing couple of months you know, tipping Sheffield for being, you know, outsiders to to sneak in and and pit Peterborough or Wolves to the uh, to the title didn't quite work out, but certainly gave a good account of themselves in this last year. Yeah, like you say, obviously there there was a number of changes that had to be made from the uh, proposed twenty twenty side, uh, which really had got a buzz going around Allerton. Um, obviously the uh, the signing of Nicky Pedersen um, and everything that that came along with that. Um, everyone knows what had to happen and, and uh, changes were enforced and like you say Sheffield didn't get off to the, the strongest start okay they put in a, a decent display on opening night at, uh, at Bellevue to, to claim a consolation league point if I remember but um, right from the off it was obvious that the, the Tigers were, were going to struggle for points for, from down at reserve um, a lot was pinning on the, the hopes of their uh, rising star in Josh Bates and Unfortunately, he just had far too many crashes. Um, and when you think of all the injuries he's had um, over the, the course of his career, it just wasn't good for, for Josh or the club. So I think it got to a stage where they, they were tired of using guests. They had to make a change. They brought in um, uh, Daniel Hume as the, the rising star. They also brought in Stefan Nielsen as, as well. And it looked, it looked for a, a few weeks at least as though Sheffield were, were genuine title contenders. But then um, when Stefan Nielsen crashed out um, and his season were, was ended when he crashed uh, for Paul at Perry Bar in the, the championship, um, along went Sheffield's title hopes, I think, uh, realistically, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember doing the um, chat with, with Adam Ellis when Adam Ellis was on, on this uh, podcast and I think Stefan Nielsen had had the crash and I don't think he was aware because we were going through the stuff that was happening in the other the other clubs and he was like, oh, I didn't realise that. And you could feel, like, oh, there was a bit of a sigh and you could tell that it was that was a dent in uh, in Sheffield's crusade, definitely. You sort of got a, sort of an indication of just how, how important um, he was to the team. Let's talk about the Bellevue Aces then because they made it to that grand final and unfortunately still are waiting for that elusive league title, dating back to 1993 now. And... Of course, whilst they've had a great season, a lot of the success, people will look at the the side and they will say, well, Dan Bewley contributed so much to the team, and particularly at home as well. And now looking to 2022, he's not going to be part of the Bellevue Aces. He's heading elsewhere. Um, Phil Morris, tell us about that decision in, in your view, um, for, for Dan Bewley to, to make that decision to leave British Speedway behind and, and concentrate his efforts on the continent. How important is that for a rider that's looking to reach the Grand Prix series? Yeah, obviously you, you have to 
respect riders you know when they get to a certain level it's their living it's their um you know obviously money does come into play but also development of i think britain is still a great developing country for uh, someone starting up that needs to get to a certain level but i also think once they get past a certain level which dan is definitely at now he's at a very high level um yeah he's probably going to benefit more from being in the higher leagues in 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 different countries not hard on british speedway and uh going back on what you said i was speaking to rob godfrey this weekend uh in prague at the commission event and he was saying apart from one or two clubs i think in the uk everybody's crowds have been up so it's a positive um year for british speedway so that's great but yeah it is tough you know losing dan Bewley from british speedway but i think you know it's been announced that jason Doyle's coming back so you may lose one but you've got another superstar coming back so maybe it's a bit of a trade-off on the subject of Bellevue, we'll um, have a chat with Charles Wright in the next part of this podcast because I caught up with him at the Red Car Bears end of season extravaganza. He's definitely going to be riding for Red Car and uh, find out what he has to say about his prospects of lining up in an Aces jacket again in 2022. That's coming up in just a little while here on No Breaks, No Fear. A couple of teams that we haven't spoken about so far. Um, first of all, let's talk about Ipswich Witches. They started off not bad but injuries team changes people like Nikolai Klintz um, opting out uh, you know fairly short notice obviously that gap was plugged uh, but then people like Jordan Stewart getting injured Jason Crump getting injured and uh, and so it went really kind of undid all the good work and the best laid plans yeah definitely That's a, again it's just within Chris Louie with everything he's achieved um both on a, a team front and on, on a personal level, I just think he's got um, that that determined character within him. Um, and and to, be, to be fair to the Ipswich supporters, speaking to Chris and uh, Richie Hawkins, the team manager at Foxhall as well, they they stuck with the club. Uh, they they continued back in the the witches as well, um, despite some some tough times. And like you say, it was just um, that those setbacks. I mean, if you if you think back to right to the start of the campaign, they had that uh, terrific win on uh, opening night at, at Kings Lynn. They followed it up with some more positive results and then I think they lost, lost uh, three riders in, in quick succession. But um, no, 100% Chris Louie, um, Richie Hawkins. Um, you'd, be, you'd be very surprised not to see Danny King back there, particularly after the, the uh, 2021 season he has had. Um, but like, like Joe said, I, I do think you'll see numerous new faces at, at Foxhall in 2022. No, I think they were constantly hit with little setbacks. Like, for example... You've got someone like Jason Crump. Obviously, there's a lot of expectation pinned on him. Um, people would have expected more of him. Jake Allen had a, a brilliant 2019 season. Struggled at times this year. Um, Anders Rowe started off like a house on fire. Had a little injury mid-season. Came back. Struggled again. They just couldn't really get going. And then when you think they're starting to to build and get back up, they'd, they'd struck one of the home defeats. And then it seemed to kick them again. Um, and they never really recovered from that, really. So... I'm guessing it'll be a, a case of a big rebuild job for them um, in the winter and, and try and rediscover some form from 2019, which sure them reached the grand final. Kings Lynn, of course, had a, a tough start to the season against Ipswich. And, of course, Ipswich got the spoils there. And it sort of went downhill from there, really. And I think record breakers in British Speedway for the most amount of team changes through the course of the season. They actually had 13 different riders line up for them through the course of 2021. And, uh, Dave, um, been a, a tough time at the Adrian Flux Arena this year, hasn't it? 
never got started for them this year. They, they start, well, two home defeats. Then they changed, I think, four riders within three weeks or something. I felt for Peter Shroek, it clearly didn't work out there this year. Um, I am impressed with Alex Brady. I've met him uh, several times already. Um, young, uh, young blood coming in, clearly got a rapport with the riders. He was never going to be able to turn around the situation um, in any way to make the playoffs or, or get a string of wins. But he did appear to have a good working relationship with riders. Um, and they are now in this situation where they have to rebuild. They have brought some riders back already, named, named riders from this year that are coming back. Um, the likes of uh, Thomas Jorgensen and uh, Richard Lawson, of course, did, did really well for them. But they do need an injection, clearly, of doing something different. And quite clearly, the next two or three weeks, and that will, will be crucial. But, um, yeah, I think probably if you're a Kingsley fan, you would say it can't be any worse next year from a results sense. Having said that, their crowd stacked up. I was there uh, four or five meetings this season. Uh, their crowds did not lose the faith. They didn't disappear on the club, which was great. Similar to Ipswich, in many ways, who, who lost a stack of home matches, and yet the crowds all turned out at Foxhall. So that's that's great credit to everyone involved, um, and I'm sure the Kings Lynn fans will certainly say they, they deserve a, a better year next year. Kings Lynn seem to be in a much more positive place at the end of the season than, than they were in those um, initial um, parts of the, the season, perhaps, and uh, you would fancy that they're going to have a hopefully a more solid season in 2022. They've already got a couple of riders on the board in Thomas Jorgensen and Lewis Kerr are contracted already to ride next season because they've got two-year contracts already in place. But they have revealed that Eric Riss won't be coming back to um, um, the Adrian Flux Arena because they think that um, he would benefit from riding elsewhere for a season to uh, put uh, behind him what has been uh, quite a tricky season and we heard from Eric Riss on this podcast a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, where he said that really he felt that this was his worst season ever. He just doesn't seem to have got anywhere and his average has gone backwards and he's looking to put that right. But uh, it's been decided that that won't be at Kings Lynn going into, into next season. But we'll keep an eye on who else does come in over the course of the coming weeks and months and hopefully a, a stronger lineup and uh, more stability at the Adrian Flux Arena in 2022. What have been each of your standout moments of the season, for whatever reason, whether it's something on the track, something off the track, something that's made you smile, what's your what's your standout um, takeaway thing from, from 2021? Um, starting with you, Ryan. I know it's an obvious one, but the uh, the Peterborough Dad's Army story for, for me was just was something special. I remember actually saying to, to Joe Appleton on uh, opening night at Monmouth Green, we, we were talking about uh, forecasts for the season, and Dave Rowe will back me up. Normally, if I put if I tip someone for success, they normally end up at the wrong end of the table. Um, but I actually said to Joe and a few others, "Don't write Peterborough off this year." The you, you could always see the way the team was built that the, the one strong reserve was always going to be a massive advantage over the majority of other clubs in in the Premiership. And like you say, just the the way Peterborough embraced that whole Dad's Army theme, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, every time you went to the East of England Arena, they were playing the the Dad's Army theme tune, and like you say, it was uh, was a, a fairy tale ending in the end. Yeah, and that ending ultimately wound up with them all arriving at the end of season due, all dressed as uh, the Home Guard, <laughs> which is uh, pretty good. Um, Joe Appleton, what what are the things that um, you've um, enjoyed seeing? this year in 2021? Yeah, on a personal note, I'd say some of the products of the Rising Star system. We've seen Leon Flint performing in the Championship. He's picking up double-figure scores with Berwick week in, week out, pretty much. 
moved into, into the Premiership, did a job for Wolves away from him, maybe struggled with Mon more, but he slowly seems to be getting getting to grips with that. Tom Brennan again, you just look at the strides he's made, he's part of the SON winning team. Um the performance he did in the world under twenty one team final in Big Gosh was was brilliant. I mean there's, there's several other examples. Jack Thomas, he was brilliant for Birmingham. He had a few guest bookings in the Premiership. He stepped up to the plate. I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm probably missing a couple more, but from across the board to me, you know, Jordan Palin, Dan Thompson, Joe Thompson, all, all those kind of guys, every time I've seen them race, they seem to get better and better and more knowledgeable and down to earth every time I, I speak to them. And Phil Morris, I know that you keep um, a close eye on, of course, what's happening in, in, in all speedway around the world. But um, from British speedway, what are the things that you've you've been entertained by? Yeah, obviously the playoff finals were exceptional, which was a good thing. But I echo what Joe just said then about, you know, getting the younger guys involved. Um, a lot of people sometimes don't like it. You have a sink or swim mentality. They, you know, you will lose riders from the sport because they struggle to... But the guys, like he's mentioned, Tom Brennan and people like that, are grabbed on the coattails. Of, you know, I was the same when I was 16. I joined Reading with riders like Puri and Jeremy Doncaster, Amanda Castagna, Jan Anderson. And it's just suddenly like I was a 16-year-old and I did get dragged along by these guys. So I think it's uh, definitely all other countries do it. You know, Poland have been successful in doing it. And yes, of course, some teams were lucky enough to have someone that's exceptional for a few years. And yeah, good for them. But... I think the good thing is is British Speedway, you just mentioned a lot of riders here and I was always been very impressed by the Thompson twins. They're sort of they're a slow burning developer and I think all these names that were mentioned, it goes to show that British Speedway does have a, a good uh, production line happening. You know, I was around when it started, maybe, you know, eight, seven, eight years ago. So it's nice to see these guys coming through. And uh, yeah, I'm pleased for British Speedway that there are now something being made of these lads and yeah hopefully they'll go on to be the next Dan Bewley, Robert Lambert and Ty Wolfenden. And in your life before being the race director at the FIM and the Speedway Grand Prix Series you were involved in the the youth setup of British Speedway and you were working in with the under 16s and and really bringing through the next generation of riders and that generation is now the one that's representing this country when we're talking about Robert Lambert and Tom Brennan and and, and the likes of, of those riders. You were working with them when they were young kids and you've long known about their potential, but it must be hugely rewarding for you to see them where they are now and, and starting to realise their potential, you know? Yeah, it was my first ever event helping the British youth out officially. I seen Robert Lambert as a, I guess, a 10-year-old then. I was like, wow this kid's got something very special, maybe 11 or 12. And he was the one that really stood out for me from day one. But people like Tom Brennan was always exceptional. He's always been. And these guys, even some of the ones that may have got sort of like a, a Connor Mountain that never was never really the top when he was young, but you could see he had a good brain and he would listen. And again, you know, he. I look at some of the results because I keep tabs on everything. And these young lads have come through. It's, it is nice to see that they're making that transition. And the Thompson twins are a perfect example now. I see the scores again in, in both the leagues. And, you know, it's like, wow, they're doing good. When Whenever they race against anyone, you know, they're getting good points. And, and yeah, Tom Brennan is a perfect example of what, what he did at Glasgow in the qualifier to, you know, take points off people like Chris Holder and that. And, uh, yeah, what he did at the Speedway Nations again showed. So, for me, 
it's fantastic that these kids are coming through. And Dave Rowe, you've seen over 60 Speedway matches this season, but what's your your highlight that you you go away with uh, thinking of 2021? Yeah, similar in many ways. I think the Peterborough story was, was, was tremendous. Some of the crowds we've seen, um, even going back to opening night, um, I went to Kingsland against Ipswich. It poured with rain about an hour before the meeting. Um, but to just see a crowd back at Speedway on opening night like something we hadn't had for, for 18 months. So that was that was tremendous. And then on a similar note, Peterborough against Wolverhampton in the regular season, uh, mid-season on a, on a lovely warm evening. And it had a massive crowd for a regular league match at the Eastern England Arena. Not seen a crowd like that for a, for a league match there or, or really anywhere for a for a long time, obviously you get big crowds in, in the playoffs. We know that, but to see that in in regular season, that just showed that that Peterborough and Speedway in general was connecting with with the area. Um, and for, for me, great signs for the future in some of the crowds we have seen. It's not all doom and gloom. Dave Rowe on No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Also joined by Ryan Guest, Joe Appleton and the Speedway GP race director, Phil Morris. And we'll be talking more about the Grand Prix series as we head into 2022 uh, very soon. We've also got some interviews to bring you as well. We're going to speak to Ryan Douglas, who's going to be finding new pastures after his life at Leicester. We'll speak to Charles Wright and Jordan Jenkins as well after they signed for Redcar next year. All coming up. No brakes, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Okay, who wants some free beer? Okay, that got your attention, didn't it? But hey, it is something that we're able to offer because we've teamed up with Beer 52, the world's largest beer club, to give Speedway fans something to celebrate with to to mark the end of the season or indeed get yourself ready for the Christmas period with a free case of craft beer. And right now, listeners to this podcast can get two extra free beers. That's 10 free beers you just have to cover the postage, and that uh, postage is £5.95, and they'll come winging their way to you. Now, every month, members are sent a case with a different theme. Now, this month, the theme is Croatia, so you can unleash your inner Gorochan, if you like, to put a Speedway parlance on it. And um, you'll also get um, a magazine, some snacks. You can specify if you want a mixture of beers or just light beers. You can pause or cancel at any time. All you need to pay is £5.95 right now and you get 10 free beers. And it's worth nearly 30 quid if you're going to do it uh, through the front door. Uh, But thanks to being a listener to No Breaks, No Fear, you can get this great offer. All you have to do is go to beer52.com slash speedway. That's beer. And then the number 52.com slash speedway. Uh, pay your £5.95 and get 10 great beers. These like they, They've got proper experts that are scouring the earth for great beer, basically, and that you can drink whilst listening to podcasts. And uh, the two go perfectly hand in hand. What do you think I'm drinking to do this? <laughs> okay, um, let's move on now to the championship. And, well, the Pool Pirates are the only team that we can start and end with because they started slowly but came thundering through the leagues and spearheaded by one man, Rory Schlein, who, of course, is um, hanging up his Kevlars, at least in this country, and heading back home to Australia. Let's hear from Rory now. Winning the double with the Pool Pirates to round off his British career. Rory Sline, right after tonight's meeting, what a win, what a way to end a career. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I think the, the goal was to do what we've done. 
Um, you know, obviously you knew, we knew we had to get to playoffs and semi-finals, but you know, now that we're here, it's uh, it's not surreal, but you know, it, that's the, that that is exactly what the target was. Um, and I think Midlow said it earlier. You know, the character that this team has shown has just been outstanding. Um, you know, with the with the youth and the experience, it just it just worked. It just gelled so well. Well, the celebrations out there, of course, League Champions 2021, and got to touch on the fact that obviously your last ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's better than Lego. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a great way to go out. It, it really is. Um, it, it was, it was, a, it was a goal of mine to uh, to get a bit of silverware, and uh, you know what? What a better place to do it. You know, I said it at the beginning of the year, Paul is a winning machine. Uh, they expect silverware. Um, every time they put a side together, it's always competitive. And uh, I think we showed that this year, for sure. Well, you've done brilliant for the Pirates. You've done brilliant in the career as well. Uh, we just hope that you have a good retirement over there. And you keep in touch with the Speedway scene over here. You're, you're part of it. Don't leave us. Yeah, well, I won't disappear too much. I'll still be helping the British youth, you know, when they come out, travelling out to Aussie, you know, when they do a bit of touring and stuff. So, um, you know, I will stay involved in, in some sort of way. And... Uh, you know, it's a sport I've, I've lived and, and dreamed and, and done everything since I was the age of three, four years old. So, um, you know, it'll always be part of me. So, uh, but yeah, what a way to go out. One last thing, take a look into the camera for all those viewers out there. What do you got to say for the Pool Pirates fans? Thank you for, you know, having me for this year. And uh, what a way to go out. Double champs. Peace out. What a way to finish. And of course, he's given so much to, to the sport in this country and became a Brit, of course, as well, and, and a British champion um, not so long ago uh, last year. And, uh, and, and and a shame to see him go, but obviously he goes with everyone's best wishes. And um, you can't say that he hasn't given his all for the sport in this country. Um, but people like perhaps um, Peter Adams have, have, have mentioned that, uh, you know, really they could do with him sort of carrying on racing a little bit. It feels like he's... Uh, perhaps in the form of his life almost in one sense. Yeah, I was at uh, Leicester for the semi-final second leg um, where, when Paul were there and Peter Adams touched upon it as well. Um, the way Rorvish Line rode that night, um, that there's many previous occasions this season as well, but the, the way he dealt with some of Leicester's heat leaders um, at the Paul Chapman and Sons Arena on, on such a big occasion was just like, it, it really was immense. And um, as you've touched upon, he's... He's not just been a, a great servant over the past two decades or so. He really has been a, a, a solid rider at, at the top of his game. I know um, there's plenty of people out there who, who don't like Rory Schlein. Um, he's, he's certainly uh, turned me back around since signing for, for Wolverhampton in the, the top league. I've seen a, a different side to, to Rory uh, to that. I may have used to see on the terraces when he was a, a Coventry B, shall we say. But no, um, total. Totally agree with um, with what Peter Adams said. It, it's it's mad to think that he is giving it up when he's at still able to perform at such a high quality level. Um, but at, at the end of the day, injuries have caught up uh, with him. And as he said in front of the the Wolverhampton crowd last night, he's happy to to be ending on on a high, ending on his terms, um, and back home to Australia to to start the next chapter of his life. And a lot of the work he's done in Speedway kind of goes a little bit under the radar in some respects in that fans don't always see it and that's working with the youth and working with the No Limits Academy and the the British Speedway um, national setup in order to bring 
these next generation of riders through, similar to what you've done, Phil, in the past, but he's worked with people like Leon Flint, Kyle Bickley, Dan Jilks, just to name a few, that he's helped bring through the ranks now. And uh, these are riders that we're seeing blossom in the uh, the more senior part of, of the sport now, but he's, he's worked with, with many, many riders. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, Roy Schlein, like I say, he's a, a solid professional and all the guys that finish on their own terms is, for me, is, is a benefit. You know, when, when a rider decides now's my time, it's much better. You know, we've all, I don't need to name any names, but we all know World of Speedway is a tough and dangerous sport and uh, all these guys that have stepped on a bike, put their life on the line. And yeah, so for me, it's a big miss, but also, you know, there, there'll be new guys coming along that will take his place. But yeah, Rory, as uh, Ryan said, was always one of them that would say it how it was. He wasn't afraid to um, say a few controversial things and uh, yeah, respect him for that. And I hope that he has a good um, retirement. It was like uh, school photo day at the start of this week when uh, Rory Schlein was doing his his farewell appearance at the Cleveland Arms in the Midlands with people getting their photos taken with Rory Schlein, signed photos, and I think everybody got one. And uh, Joe Appleton, did you get one? I'm sure I saw one with you and you and uh, and Rory Schlein. He's um, quite an idol of yours, isn't he? Yeah, I, I had to because I, I grown up watching Coventry. Um, felt I had from years back, 2006. It sat in the back of his van with my brother, so I wanted a like a little comparison shot. So uh, I've got that now. So uh, it's good. For Pool Pirates now, though, they're going to have to find um, a way without Rory Schlein moving into next year, into 2022. But, um, Phil, it doesn't matter what competition Pool seem to enter. You know, they moved down a league and, and still um, steamroller their way through it once they finally got going with, uh, with their fixtures. Um, finished top, won the playoff, won the knockout cup. And um, whatever they turn their hand to, they... Uh, they set out to win, don't they? You can never say any, anything else about Pool. I would probably say, without knowing the teams, I'll put them as favourites for next year because they are Pool Speedway. And uh, an outdated saying is either Man United or Speedway. Maybe not at the moment. The Man United more than Man City or Chelsea or Liverpool. But um, yeah, it's uh, Pool are obviously our good friend Danny King and says good things about them down there. And for me, I always looked at them as when I was racing, they were the best of the best. A lot of people disliked them because they would find, a not a loophole, but they'll find a way around a rule. But that's Midlow and, and Matt Ford who were experts at that. And I think, you know, people have to look up to them and chase them and make sure they beat them next year. That's the sort of goal, I would say, on the pool front. Well, Leicester Lions will certainly be hoping to close the gap uh, with Poole in 2022, although one of the riders they're going to have to do without is Ryan Douglas, who has uh, taken the opportunity to sign for a team in Poland, which is going to limit his um, race nights that he can actually uh, race in the championship in this country. And um, he's been speaking to Ryan Guest all about it. Yeah, well, I think I was doing okay, pretty good in England this year. And I think someone messaged me on Facebook and asked if I was interested in doing it. And there's one meeting this year in the playoffs for, for this Ravitch. And uh, it ended up happening. I went to Germany and, and did a meeting in Lenschut and, and scored pretty well. got seven. Uh, but yeah, I think I rode okay. Probably could have scored a few more, but they were pretty happy. And, and it wanted me back this year. And I, I was... It's hard to really tell, like, what there's not too much English was going on, so I thought I was they were interested and then come back uh, to England and recently they've gone to me saying they're interested this season and, and a new owner with Metallica, the main sponsor from previous season, and 
yeah, they were made a good offer and it looks like they're, they're keen to, to use a few Australians next year as well. So alongside Sam and stuff, it makes it a bit easier for me to go over. So, yeah, it, uh, I signed that contract and now I can't wait to, to race over there. Yeah, you've mentioned Sam there, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit. You also mentioned there there wasn't much English going on in the conversation, the, the language barrier, the, the different culture. Is that something that's a, a little bit daunting the first time you, you're going into it? It is, you know. There, um, it's You, you kind of come to England, it's good, and you, you see all the big names over there, and, and the kind of... it's probably, the, the wages are probably a bit higher as well, and that expectation... Uh, if you don't do well, you kind of you kind of out, and so it's uh, it's a big thing to sign over there. It's another whole setup. You come to England and you buy everything, and you go to Poland then, and it's the same thing again. You need everything in double, so it's a big uh, money to fork out. But I know in the long run, if I can make it pay out, it's uh, it'd be worth it. Yeah, and like you say, um, one thing that will help you settle, help you feel a, a bit more at home, some some teammates who you, you know well and get on well with as well. Yeah, Sam's been there for a for, few for years now and, and done well, so I'm pretty happy to be with him. And, and Josh Pickering signed as well. He's done a, a season for another club, I think, previously. But no, I'm, I'm excited to go do it with, with a few Aussie boys and, and hopefully I can have a good season out there. It's the more my kind of shape tracks with the bigger bigger style racing. So I hope I can, I can take that form that I can ride on here on the bigger tracks and, and ride like that out there. Is Poland something you've always had on the radar or, or mainly in the last couple of years since you've really started kicking on? Uh, it's always what I wanted to do, but it's uh, I didn't want to go too early and not do well and, and lose my opportunity. I wanted to kind of wait until I was ready, and I feel like I'm ready now. And, and the bigger tracks, like I said, is, is what, what I like. I enjoy riding more, and I feel like I'm a lot faster. So if I can, yeah, so I'm just trying to go out there and, and hopefully can, can ride these tracks and, and do well. Yeah, obviously, uh, I think it's now been confirmed as well that uh, your time with Leicester's done for the uh, the, the mean, meantime, at least. Um, obviously, you've had a, a great couple of seasons with the, with the Lions. Yeah, I don't have a bad word to say about Leicester, really. I uh, had an awesome two years and obviously won the league in, in 19 and, and rided under Stewart and the Bates family was yeah, no problem at all. But unfortunately, with Saturdays in, in Poland mainly, it's just not going to work with, with Leicester but um, no it was no problem they've got a good team again for next year it looks like and, and I'm moving on looking for another championship club during the week which is hopefully can free me up for the weekends a bit more so no but I definitely not a bad word to say about Leicester yeah, is it literally just the, the race night situation where logistically it just wouldn't work is that the only reason you're not back yeah pretty much I, um, I spoke to Stuart and he asked me what what my plans were and I, I kind of said straight away that the goal for me is to, to ride out there and, and keep progressing and, and he was all for that as well so I'm happy that he was he, he was backed me like that and yeah the fans there were run real this year and the last couple of years they're, they're a great club and I'm sure they'll have a good team next year. Yeah, you've mentioned the championship as well so looking to do three leagues next year? Yeah looking to, to definitely do double up in England again and and ride in Poland as well so three leagues that's the plan and keep busy and uh, hopefully yeah, keep progressing it doesn't leave you too many options though does it because a lot of championship clubs are, are weekend based yeah they are so it's uh we'll see what happens but I'm definitely looking looking to sign for a team soon and and hopefully it can, they can work around my fixtures in Poland and don't have to miss too much racing. OK, Ryan, that was left uh, fairly cryptically. Um, I know that you were trying to uh, trying to whittle it down as to, to which nights he might have free. Um, did you get to the bottom of it and where do you think he might be heading next? Yeah, I think there's only a, 
I think there's only a Wednesday and Friday left. Um, when when you narrow it down, look who's probably linked to where. You would probably go for a, a Friday track, perhaps a Friday track where he may have raced earlier in his British career. But like you say, that that's just me playing Hercule Poirot, maybe. Stay tuned to find out if Hercule guest is uh, indeed correct um, in the coming weeks, no doubt. Um, a team that you do a lot of work with, Ryan, are uh, Birmingham. You are um, one of the announcers there, and as is Dave Rowe. And it's been a bit of a turbulent time at um, at Perry Bar. And the same for Newcastle as well. Now, we know that Newcastle are going to be coming back to the tapes in 2022. They're building a team already. They've announced Paul Stark this week is going to be one of their riders. And um, James Wright is, is, is also another one who's confirmed. And so plans are firm there. What about Birmingham, though? What's the situation? Are we going to have um, Speedway at Perry Bar? Because we know that it's not been the busiest year on the terraces at Perry Bar. But that said, there are a lot of fans in Birmingham. We need to get them through the gates. What's the situation? Like you say, but Birmingham, it is um, it is a great city. It's a, it's a great venue at Perry Bar as well. And um, full credit to, to, to the Brummies just for, for coming back, because trust me, Things, things weren't looking good at one stage at Perry Bar uh, this season. To go as close as they did to take it right down to the, the final meeting at Glasgow was a, a terrific achievement from everyone involved uh, with the Brummies this year we, with all the uh, problems they, they faced both on, on and off track. Um, like I say, it was a t- terrific achievement just to narrowly miss out by uh, one point in the end. You, you talk about an update for... Uh, 2022 there is um, a consortium uh, a front-running consortium now who uh, thankfully are still interested um, and the Brummies chief Lawrence Rogers who's obviously um, keen to stay on board um, despite the departure of Peter and, and David Mason um, he he remains convinced um, that, that the Brummies can be saved and will come to the tapes next March or April uh, like I say there is a, a front-running consortium at the minute uh, the head of which um, he's going to meet supporters next uh, Tuesday, uh, not too far from uh, Perry Bar Stadium, and he's going to answer any questions supporters have, um, bring them up to date with the situation. I think the only sticking point at the moment is this absolutely ludicrous rent increase, which has been slapped um, not just on Birmingham, but I believe it, it's more or less the same at Newcastle and Kent as well, which is why Len Silvers called it a day as well. And... Um, I think details are starting to, to creep out of this such. It really is a dramatic hike, but fair play to the, the leader of the consortium uh, looking to take Birmingham over. He's not giving up hope. He's working tirelessly behind the scenes to dry, try and drum up the, the sponsorship and the, the revenue that's going to be needed to cover the costs. Um, and naturally, from a, a selfish point of view, fingers crossed the Brummies are back at the tapes uh, in March or April next year. Yes, we need teams arriving in British Speedway and not disappearing of course that's uh, that's always the aim and um, and fingers crossed that's the case for the Birmingham Brummies in 2022 now the red car bears had a pretty good season and were joint top of the championship for a time unfortunately couldn't quite get it over the line in the playoffs but they're looking to be strong again in 2022 and build on the success of 2021 and they've made strides already to sign two riders not only to ride for them but as club assets as well as was revealed at their end of season do and I caught up with the two new signings for the Red Car Bears Charles Wright and Jordan Jenkins and uh, start off by asking Charles 
about um, how important and how proud he was to become an official red car asset. It was quite a big deal for him. Yeah, it's a really nice feeling to be part of a red car speedway. Uh, they've been great to me over the years and to be honest, I won't want to ride for any other club than red car and you know, the, the support with the fans, the management, they've all been brilliant throughout the years of being there. So yeah, it makes sense. When this was announced to the fans, um, Jitendra Duffel said that it's quite emotional about about the, the, the whole deal being sorted. Yeah, uh, we sorted obviously as an asset probably actually a few months ago without they bought me and as a full-time asset, but you know, with what Ben's done for the club and it meant a lot for him. It's obviously stepping away and giving the fans something back to, you know, his thanks to say it means a lot to me and, you know, for what he's done, he's not he's not just a management and he's a really good friend of mine and, yeah, you know, he'll still be around and, you know, I always talk to him all the time throughout the season and he'll always be there. Yeah, of course, he is stepping away from the club and he did sort of announce this as his, his parting gift as well, didn't he? It was, um, and, and for you, it must be strange knowing, obviously, as you say, you're going to still see him around, but for him not to be a co-promoter next, next year, when you've had such a long relationship with him over the years as well. Yeah, he's always going to be there. You know, he's just stepping out, down from his position and obviously looking somewhere outside a speedway and getting, you know, with his job and everything else in perspective. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of his time away and he's got other things going on and, but he's still going to be around, so it's not going to really make a difference. And for you, looking back on your season with, with Red Car, obviously a mixed, a mixed season with, with, with uh, how things have gone in both leagues, coming so close to to getting that um, Premiership title as well. And what are your thoughts now moving forward? Obviously with, with Bellevue, Dan Bewley's definitely not going to be part of the plans as well. Is, are you going to be part of the plans? Yeah, I'm not going to say no. We're obviously in discussions at the minute, but never, stuff's not being certified at the minute. And, you know, I've enjoyed my time at Bellevue and it's the first year of being there, so see really what happens so I can't really say more than that at the minute and yeah just carry on for 2022. And what's your thoughts on 2021 as a season overall? We didn't actually know at the start of the season how things were going to pan out no. at all. Yeah it's been brilliant I think the fans are being starved of Speedway having a year off and I think to be honest the numbers have been up wherever you've gone and the crowds wherever track you've gone to this year and there's a bit of a buzz, you know, you starved a bit and, you know, as riders, you know, you go into a full-time job and you have a year out and you know what you want to do and people miss it. And, yeah, it's been, it's been a big thing and, you know, it's been really good this year and, yeah. Can. Yeah. And now, obviously, it must be good for you to to have obviously red car sewn up for for next season as you go into the winter. It's one worry off your mind, I suppose, as well. Is it of where you're going to be spending your time? Yeah, it's yeah, just sort out top league and where I'm going to be. But yeah, red cars where I want to be and 
Looking forward to next year. I've already, you know, started stripping bikes and preparing for next season. So we don't really stop. It's, you know, it's a 12-month job and it never stops. And seeing sponsors and yeah, don't really stop. From there. All right, good work on a great season and thanks for talking to us. Cheers, thank you. Uh, Jordan Jenkins, end of season due at Red Car, um, and it's been revealed tonight that you are now a Red Car asset. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, uh, Red Car approached me during the season um, and it's quite early on to be fair, so I'm quite thankful about that. And obviously I joined Kent from Mildenhall um, and they bought me off Mildenhall for a training fee, you know, so uh, I was kind of an asset of Kent and, and their property and uh, Jade come forward and said how he was interested in buying me, you know, and uh, obviously I had a few few words with Flynn Silver at Kent and nothing really come of it, you know, so uh, that was after the Berwick meeting that I found out, so that was obviously quite early on in the season. Uh, and then it was getting on a little bit and uh, I didn't really press it too far because I didn't want to be too pushy, you know, but uh, yeah, it was a dream come true move to be fair. So um, Jade mentioned it again and uh, yeah, I think obviously with Len probably thinking he was going to sell up and, and retire, then it probably influenced the move a little bit more. So he had to get rid of all of his assets anyway and uh, I don't think there's a club that I'd rather have gone to than Redcar, you know, so... Uh, Feeling at home here now, and everything's in place for me to be successful. So I've got Brian and Bria Turner, wonderful family. Brian's on the Spanish for me. He'll do an early morning bike wash when I'm still in bed, you know. So uh, it's good. Um, can't can't complain at all. So um, yeah, you know, it's a dream come true, and to sign a contract this early on for 2022, uh, it's a it's a lot of pressure taken off my shoulders, you know. So uh, enjoy the winter and busy preparing and uh, building bikes and keeping fit and everything in between you know so uh, everything's in place and I hope we just keep improving from this year you know I don't think I've had the best years but obviously speaking to a lot of people they feel that I've had a real good year if I score eight points a meet and I want 12 you know so if I score four I want six so you know it's just I always want to do better than I've done so if I can if I can do better than this year, I'll be happy and uh, just keep improving. I want to be at this club long term, you know, so uh, I want to prove to them that I'm worthwhile. You've had some, you know, obviously in Speedway, not everything goes smoothly all the time and the club stuck by you and supported you at the time when, when things weren't 100% and you had some technical problems and you worked around those. But similarly, you've had some massive highlights as well. I mean, I remember seeing you beating Hans Anderson. I mean, what a, what a, what a time that was. Yeah, for sure, you know, I think Speedway is a big part of highs and lows, you know, and you just got to take the highs and realise how you feel after them and try and put everything into feeling like that 24-7, you know, so... And if you do that, then you're living the dream. So, uh, yeah, 20... This, this year, I've had a lot of trouble on and off the track, so obviously technical issues with engines and tuners and things like that, so... Uh, I think we got them ironed out, but uh, my granddad, who I've done everything with since I was five years old, um, yeah, became very unwell this year. Um, and he started started off the season with me, um, and yeah, so it was a bit of a struggle. Like, but yeah, as I said, granddad becoming ill this year, uh, it's been a massive step back. Um, he used to do all the driving, I used to do all the bike wash, I used to do all the riding and working in between. So having him become ill is a is a big shock. Um, and there was a point in the season where I didn't know if I was going to be able to carry on, you know. So Ben Duffield from Redcar fortunately stepped in and uh, lent me a van, uh, and that freed me up massively you know so honestly don't think if he had lent me that van I would have been able to carry on you know so with my granddad becoming so unwell and having loads of treatments and operations and possible appointments and things like that it was unfair to rely on him you know so I wanted him to just get better and uh, 
focus on his recovery rather than my speedway because I think my speedway will last a lot longer than his recovery, you know. So, uh, yeah, as I said, the highs and the lows. So I've had a lot of highs as well. Obviously, I had a good score at Berwick and uh, Leicester. Uh, and I've had a few good races at home, you know. So I think I've just got to focus on them and try and make them a regular occurrence next year. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. What's your, what's your dream for next year then, a year from now? Where do you see yourself? I don't know. I want to break into the main body of the side, obviously, this year. I was fairly close to doing that. I think me and James Sargent, when the first averages come out, we were on identical averages uh, if the Rise and Star system wasn't in place. And I would have been going to number two, so uh, that would have been a massive improvement. Um, so, yeah, I think I just make into the main body of the team and just be consistent, injury-free, which I say every year, and uh, just be fit, healthy, and uh, score lots of points and enjoy my racing on the bike, you know, so... Uh, and I want to break into the Premiership as well. I think that's everyone's dream. Like, I just want to keep progressing, and uh, I don't want to ever step back again. And uh, just yeah, keep moving forward. Thank you. So that was from the Red Car Bears end of season extravaganza, which was at the uh, Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough, the football ground. And I hope you noted the music in the background, the the top vibes of the Wenger boys of steps and um who else do we have in there oh yeah the proclaimers that's right yeah all the top tunes uh, blasting out there at the red car bears end of season do just another night in middlesbrough you gotta say um also just want to touch on the signings that have been made by plymouth because it does affect red car actually because um michael palm toft has moved to plymouth which um i think has probably surprised a few Red car fans potentially, but um, I'm sure that um, uh, it's a situation that's that's fully in hand. But Plymouth announcing Richard Lawson, Michael Palm Toft, and Eddie Kennett as their three heat leaders, and they've naturally now filled five spaces out of their septet. So um, team building coming along quick there down at uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, they've got uh, two team spots uh, left to fill. Uh, you've mentioned the the heat leaders that were unveiled earlier this week: um, Alfie Botel back and. Um, Unsurprisingly, Henry Atkins um, also they've they've signed him as a, a full asset from from Somerset. Um, Plymouth they they had the moments. There was certainly plenty of entertainment down at the uh, Coliseum, as they like to call it, um, in their first season back in the Championship. So many last heat deciders. Uh, I spoke regularly to Bjarni Pedersen this year, and I know he was getting uh, he was getting quite fed up of uh, keep having the, the the pressure in in heat fifteen. But like I say, plenty of entertainment. I know that the, the club were more than happy on that front. The the crowds grew as the the season went on. Um, and Mark Phillips said that it, it was always a, a building year. And when you look at how he's uh, assembling his side, I, I spoke to him earlier this week as well. He's much happier with the balance already, um, even with those two two places still left to fill. And um, yeah, Ply- Plymouth could potentially, um, we don't know the other lineups yet, of course, but Plymouth could potentially be uh, an outsider, a dark horse for the playoffs in 2022, perhaps. Yeah, watch this space. It's going to be interesting. Of course, there's lots going on at all the clubs, so we're just sticking with the the major news in the championship for the time being, and uh, we'll update you on the other stuff as and when we we know more. Just a brief word about the National Development League, though, because I know a lot of people do follow the clubs involved in that. And Dave Rowe, you have been to many National Development League meetings through the course of this season as part of your uh, your 60-odd meetings that you've taken in this year. Just um, a word about the National 
National Development League and and your hopes for how things might go next year in in 2022 with it. The the general takeaway is there is still um, a, a great crop of emerging talent coming through, and whenever you go to a, a National Development League, you'll see. Um, a, a rider, a 15 or 16 year old that you've not seen before, you've not seen racing at, at, at that level, and you'll see improvement. So, um, for example, at Bellevue, yes, seen plenty of meetings at the National Speedway Stadium, and, and Sam McGurk's first season at the age of 15 um, did tremendously well. Same at um, Leicester with with Ben Trigger at the age of 15, became 500cc um, youth champion and, and had a great first season in, in the NDL. Progression elsewhere, and 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 that and that's the case around the league. The um, the fact that um, Berwick and Armadale, Edinburgh with Armadale, had teams in that league meant riders had a chance to race competitively that would not otherwise have done so. So that was great to see that. I say fair play and well done to Mildenhall for winning the title. Uh, they were the only standalone. Um, they had a fantastic run towards the end after a bit of an iffy start. So well done to them. There's no doubt this, this league has a purpose to serve and... The talented youngsters, they, they do come through it and you see the improvement. So still plenty to enjoy in that league. Like I say, it's just a case of making sure that everyone's on the same page of the hymn book, if you like. We all, we're all pulling in the same direction with it because it's such an important league for us. Next, though, we are turning our attention to the Speedway Grand Prix series and the SGP race director Phil Morris is with us and going to give us a bit more insight into how the Speedway Grand Prix series is going to look in 2022, what your Cardiff weekend is likely to be like as well and Speedway on the world stage as we move forward in this new era and some of the plans of discovery explained in a bit more detail. Detail, all coming up on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back to No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. And I'm very pleased to say that in this episode, which is quite a long marathon episode, <laughs> I know, but we've got through a lot, I, I hope you'll agree. Um, we're joined by Phil Morris, race director at the FIM for the Speedway Grand Prix and Speedway of Nations series, which changes hands now and into 2022 with uh, Discovery now going to be looking after running the Grand Prix series. So we're heading into a new era. We've seen some of their plans. Now, obviously, initially, it looks very familiar to how it did so far. Um, but these are baby steps. And, and over the next 10 years or so, some of the plans are quite bold in order to bring in more viewers, more fans in person. And the, the targets they've got for the amount of viewers on TV are pretty phenomenal. And if they achieve that and there's no reason to believe that they won't this is going to be quite significant for speedway around the world i i think maybe it's been a bit understated how big this will be if if they achieve these aims the benefits are going to drip down to, to clubs right around the world aren't they of course we, we all love the sport that's why we're here talking now um and that's why people will be listening and watching um for me the product is a good product it just needs to be worked on and uh I'm sure many of you have seen the, the pr presentation that Discovery have done. And of course, BSI have done a very good job. I don't want to you know, say anything bad about them. They've, they've done their best. Maybe these last few years, they haven't maybe done anything initiative because maybe they knew they potentially wouldn't be getting a contract. But Discovery have come in and uh, they will lift it to another level. 
Um, I, I, I'm sure of that from a visual perspective, from a fans at the stadium or a fan sat in his armchair at home, it will look another level better. Obviously, you've got the same kind of riders, very similar tracks, and this is a lot to do with COVID situation. They didn't want to come in and have to cancel events in certain places in countries. So it is baby steps maybe, And but I think in the next three or four years, there'll be big announcements and different continents, different countries. And uh, yeah, it will be very impressive. And visually as a spectacle, it will raise to another level, I'm very sure on that. What are you excited about personally now that you know more about it? Because you've been involved in, in the meetings behind the scenes and you've probably got a, 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 a clearer imagination on, on exactly how things are going to look because you are the race director and firmly involved in the creation of all of these events. What's the, what's the exciting thing for you that you fired up for everybody to, you know, to look forward to for next year? I think straight away the riders are excited. So that's a straight away, that's a big plus that they're excited. And, and, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more work on building the um, profiles of the riders. So they are a known entity in countries like Ty Wuffenden in Great Britain is known potentially in the speedway and some other motorsport circles. But outside that, he may be not. And I think their their goal is to try and build. And I think their, their goal is to try and build. And obviously, I spoke with the big boss at Discovery the first time I spoke to him and we spoke about the Formula One documentary on Netflix, Drive to Survive. And believe it or not, I was never a massive F1 fan. I just look at the highlights. Now I'll watch qualifying in a race because of that. That's encouraged me to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I see it as a very positive sign that, of course, a lot of it's going to be um, lights, show. Uh, I, I'm pleased from my side that They've come in and said from the sport inside, which is what I regulate and I deal with, they're not worried about that too much. You know, things are going to look the same on track. It's just what goes on around it, you know, the presentation, the look, the feel. And they, they want people to have an experience when they come to a Grand Prix that needs to be at a very high level. Because the reality is Poland have caught up with the Grand Prix. And you go to a Polish league match and it's now pretty much on par with the Grand Prix. That's the reality. So I think Discovery want to just put it into another few gears and move to another level and make it the pinnacle and get it out to as many people in the world as possible to make it accessible. The Cardiff Speedway Grand Prix is always um, stood above, I think, um, the other Grand Prix on the circuit in, in that respect in terms of the presentation and obviously the roof closed adds to a different thing it's all dark you've got spotlights and all this kind of stuff um we're looking forward to seeing how things are going to pan out there because it's been a long time since we've had a, a grand prix at cardiff now it's going to be a few years um and um this is going to be a really exciting weekend in british speedway because there's not just one but two uh, events the one on the sunday um tell us about the cardiff how the cardiff weekend is uh, is going to going to look from your point of view so yeah so obviously again cardiff alongside warsaw i would say is the pinnacles of the grand prix there the jewels in the crown and anyone that's been there will experience that it's it's an amazing event and you know you're in a city that my pretty much my home city so i'm pleased that people come and enjoy it but yeah, this year will be, well, this year, I say next year now, 22 will be slightly different. Obviously, again, it's discoveries. They will have, we, we've done very well there and BSI have spent a lot of time and effort on that event. So it was 
probably a higher level than the other Grand Prix around the world, if I'm honest. They, they did a lot more effort into it. But I think, again, Discovery are going to go another level. They're going to push it. And, of course, to make the weekend, I understand a lot of people will tell you that the hotels are expensive, but that's because a lot of people want to stay there. You know, this is, if you wanted to go there for the Champions League final a few years back, the cheapest hotel room was £600. So it's not as bad as that. Uh, but, yeah, the next day we'll have... Uh, SGP2, which is former World Under-21 Championship final. So there may be some, from a British perspective, a few Brits in it. And uh, I'm sure some quality Poles and Swedes and Latvians and, you know, Czechs. So, yeah, it should be a good event to supplement it and give give the people and the fans a weekend rather than just a, a one-day event and go home so they can stay there, enjoy the beautiful city, have the new and upgraded uh Discovery Vision, and hopefully have a two-day great racing event. And are there any plans that you know of to... You, you mentioned that the, the sporting side is staying the same, but we're having the same sort of format that we know and uh, that, we, that we've that we had for the last few years, as far as you know, in, in, in terms of the racing. Yeah, at the moment, they've, they've, they haven't come in to want to change anything sporting-wise. That's the honest truth. They've said, OK, we're happy. We've got 20 heats, two semis in the final you know, the, the amount of rounds. Obviously, they would like to increase the amount of rounds, but that's going to be going overseas to different continents, out, more than likely outside of the European season, so it doesn't affect affect that. So, yeah. So, from when I talk sport in size, we're talking what goes on track. Of course, maybe in years to come, there's going to be innovative things they talk about, potentially, you know, which I... You know, don't we'll talk about this whether it's start tapes, whether it's flag marshals, all these things can be changed and different things could come along. But from, from my perspective at the moment, the track stuff will be similar, it's going to be everything around it that will be a, a more of a upgraded show. Good stuff. And will that be include as well stuff for fans around the town centres and, and places like that? I mean, not just Cardiff, but obviously people go to, to wherever to watch the, the, the Grand Prix as well. So you can expect to see more stuff for fans to get to get involved in, meeting ridings, all that kind of thing. Yeah, they're really keen on making the fan experience a much higher level with, you know, they, they were very shocked that there's no big you know, phone app that everyone can look at what's going on. And maybe, I don't know, after the, when they're doing a grade between each four and eight, you can have a, a specific interview maybe of a rider that's, you know, a guy can tap into their phone and watch that in that five minute break or 10 minute break and outside the event, what they can do and what they're looking to do with the Speedway of Nations and then Speedway World Cup the year after is to make that a sort of festival in the city make you know not carnival but just just modernize things and make it that people want to go to these events and you know i, I think I, I don't know i i think sometimes we get stuck in this we take our speedway hat off this is something i say famously we all have a speedway hat on and, and i wrote this down because you said it early dinner and dance for me that's like a 1960s saying poland use gala straight away there's one thing if you say dinner dance to somebody's outside speedway like dinner dance you know, we joke, we all laugh about it. I can see you all laughing, but it's, it's reality, you know. I think Speedway needs to move with the times and become a more modern sport to help youngsters because we know, like anyone here, that the demographic of the fans are probably are the, the older, you know. I would class myself as a hybrid in the middle. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's uh, 
definite need for to get in hold of these young teenagers 20 year old to be involved in the sport in my opinion no absolutely i mean i did say dinner dance as a as a firmly tongue-in-cheek <laughs> thing because I, I i'm i'm with you i think the last dinner dance i went to i must have been about nine uh, about 1987 <laughs> um but yeah it, it you know and, and but they are good i think they're good events to for but like you say it's it's how you present it isn't it it's it's the wording and the branding and, yeah. and the image that you project and and yeah that's something that um it looks like Discovery are going to be pretty good at. When we had the Speedway of Nations, I don't know how many times I heard someone say, why don't we have a Grand Prix at the National Speedway Stadium? That surely is a question that you've faced many times. Uh, is it one that you can you can update everyone on and, uh, and answer once and for all why there's no Grand Prix at Bellevue? Of course, you know, to have a Grand Prix there would be fantastic. Everybody knows it's one of the best racetracks in the world. Um, of course, they sold it out for two days, which was fantastic. But the reality is four or 5,000 sellout crowd is not really going to cut it for a Grand Prix. And this is the, the issue. It is a perfect, I, I'm not saying it'll never happen in the past, in the future, sorry, it could happen. But the reality is when you have Cardiff with 40,000 people, and then people will stand up and say, we don't want to go there, we want to go to Bellevue. Even if you put temporary stands in, got 10,000 people there, you're still 25% of the fans which go to Cardiff. So there's obviously a, a niche for Bellevue to be involved and, you know, doing qualifiers, doing, you know, they got the Speedway of Nations, which was a fantastic achievement, and maybe in years to come, that. Um, but, yeah, the place is, is made for, the track is phenomenal. Um, I've never seen so many riders not feel vulnerable when I hear riders are vulnerable, they don't know which lines to ride, inside, outside. That, for me, proves that it's a good racetrack because when everybody knows the fast line is inside or outside and they do it, you don't get so many racing. So, uh, for me, Bellevue is a fantastic track. And, of course, yes, potentially it's, it's a Grand Prix track. Is it a Grand Prix stadium? And uh, people will say then, yeah, but we go to Tetro, we go to Morlilla. But these places can take 12, 14,000 people. That's the difference, I think, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it is, is a tough, tough call because the track is so good. And, you know, Adrian and Mark Lemon and that do very well there. And they're very professional, very high level behind the scenes. So, yeah, it's a shame. But let's, let's look what happened this year. It was a fantastic event. And, uh, again, we talked about playoff finals. Nothing was decided till that last race and uh, it was a lot of tension on it. And unfortunately, Poland sort of tripped over each other and uh, left the way for Great Britain to win it. And that's Speedway. <laughs> that's Speedway. And again, speaking, a lot of people will say, hey, it's 40 races and it's one race. But, you know, the Football World Cup is 66 matches. Doesn't matter if you win every group match, every qualifier, every semi, every quarter final. It's one match at the final that matters. That's that's speed. That's speedway. That's sport. Olympics. You have to do qualifiers. Your national. Yeah, you get to the Olympics and you do three or four qualifying rounds, quarterfinals, semifinals. If you trip at the start of the hundred meters race, that's four years you've raced and you don't get a gold medal because you don't say give him a gold medal because he's been the best for the last four years. You know this is what people sometimes don't understand that modern sport comes to a crescendo, and uh, we talk about playoffs in speedway we talk about finals in pretty much every american sport your super bowl and i think it's the way the world's going 
And the other question I fielded quite a lot um, is from people who were asking at the Speedway of Nations why Robert Lambert got excluded because it was very hard to see on the TV because I don't think the cameras were were particularly positioned right at that moment. But can you uh, give us the definitive on on why Robert Lambert got excluded in that uh, in that heat? He was actually off his bike when the the clock hit zero. So um, the referee, you know, it wasn't even if he was pulling up to the tapes, he was actually off his bike. So, um, yeah, it it normally happens once every three or four years, somebody does it. And then for the next, I don't even notice, but for the next three or four races, the guys were at the tapes ready with about 30 seconds to go. So it's it's, it's sometimes, but yeah, people make mistakes. And I'm sure Robert realised he made a mistake, but I think he made up for it by being, you know, having a good, good event. Yeah, good stuff. Well, look, thanks a lot for joining us, Phil. It's been really interesting uh, talking to you, and no um, hopefully we can talk again um, sometime soon as well. Before the, uh, yeah. you know, maybe before the Grand Prix resume, and you probably know a lot more about exactly how things are going to pan out. But um, looking forward to seeing it, and um, hopefully get to see you in person at, at an actual event this yes. this next year. <laughs> Let's fingers crossed. And I like Ian. I like to see how professional your stuff is, and even the look of your little studio looks fantastic so i need to work on my studio uh, to look like yours. yeah look i even uh, i even managed to get the um the dan Bewley race jacket from uh oh, from geez. the um from the british uh, british final still covered in shale by the way which is pretty i don't think you can see authentic it. authentic i, I know see. and then i to make sure it was definitely authentic i actually compared it with a picture of him wearing it on the podium <laughs> A collector's item. Um, thank you very much uh, for joining us, Phil Morris. It's it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for uh, for sharing your stories and um, enjoy the winter and all the best for for 2022. But I'm sure we'll speak again very soon. Thank you, guys. And thanks to you for listening to No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast through the course of the 2021 season. It's been a pleasure bringing it to you. I've had a look back. I haven't counted all of them because I think we've done over 300 interviews over the course of the season. I hope you found them useful. Some of the insights, insight, some of the insight useful from our guests. And you can listen back to all of these podcasts whenever you like. And yes, while uh, we talk about particular uh, matches and things that were going on at that point in the season, some of the stuff from the people that we've spoken to um, still stands the test of time, such as the episode with the likes of Adam Ellis and Tom Brennan and Peter Fasena and Sam Masters. Um, there's still people listening to our very, very first episode, even this week. So it shows that there's stuff in there that people find useful. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll bring you another update as soon as there's anything really going on through the course of uh, the closed season of Speedway. But in the meantime, keep up to date with everything that's happening with your club online at speedwaygb.co.uk. And No Breaks, No Fear is a Nigel Pearson Media Limited production for British Speedway. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.